Hello world and welcome to this edition of Tech on Fire with Blaze the Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at what's new on Microsoft Azure as well as taking a look at life beyond COVID-19 and what that's going to look like in the Microsoft space based on some announcements and some analysis that folks have offered up about Microsoft and what's going on there. So first let's start off with some of the new announcements that Microsoft has made in terms of services on Azure. The first one is for developers and this is a feature Azure added to Azure Monitor to help debug JavaScript applications. So Azure Monitor's new source mapping feature will allow you to take a JavaScript application and monitor that. And so when an exception occurs, you can get a map of what that error is. So if you've ever tried to debug applications in production, typically you're dealing with minified code that is compacted down and it's not very human readable. So what this feature will do is allow you to expand that out so you can get a better idea what's going on inside of that code and make it a little bit easier to figure out where problems are occurring. Second, Microsoft announced that they are implementing incremental enrichment to Azure Cognitive Search. Now, Azure Cognitive Search, if you're unfamiliar with that product, is a AI-driven indexing uh, product that allows you to index uh, a lot of documents and then search on them based on what they call skills, which are basically AI-driven algorithms to uh, give more context to where results whenever you're doing searches against whatever is being in uh, indexed by Azure Cognitive Search. Now, up to now, skills have to be reapplied every time there's a change to a document. But what incremental uh, enrichment will do is rather than having to rerun those skills every time, it will do change tracking against documents and then be able to analyze the changes and apply the skills against the changes rather than everything. So this will make processing documents and indexing those documents more efficient with this new feature on Azure Cognitive Search. And thirdly, Microsoft is announcing a collaboration effort with in, with semiconductor manufacturers building a new operating system that will be for these ARM-based uh, uh, chips that will be going into IoT devices. And this, this new operating system is called RTOS, or Real-Time Operating System, and it's optimized for IoT so that it can have better security, it can have throughput, it can have things like that that are managing threads and other kinds of aspects that aren't so much about a general purpose operating system, but a operating system that is tailored for IoT type applications, whether it be the actual devices themselves or things on the edge. So this partnership that they're doing will be the operating system with some of these IoT manufacturers for producing these chips that will be available to IoT uh, makers and IoT manufacturers for building out better devices that will then be able to feed telemetry back into IoT-based systems to help build things like smart cities and build things like better factories and better automation and those kinds of things. Now for our main segment, we're going to be talking about life beyond COVID-19. And in this segment, we're going to be looking at some of the things that have come out of Microsoft, as well as some analysis on Microsoft and what that means for us in the future. Now, Microsoft released a memorandum that Satya Nadella wrote, and he released it internally as an email, but it also uh, was posted on LinkedIn. And it, I think it applies not just to Microsoft, but anybody that works in the Microsoft space. And there's some uh, good reminders 
remarks in here that I think would apply to everybody that is dealing with uh, whatever they might be dealing with in whatever context they may be. Sacha in the letter mentions about how Microsoft is dealing with this virus, not, uh, not only with their own employees, but how they're working with the public sector and how they're working with private industry and how they're providing a lot of the infrastructure needed to help facilitate and collaborate. And to that end, Sacha writes like this. He writes, no one, uh, no one company is going to solve a challenge like this alone. It's going uh, to take private and public sector working together to turn the tide of COVID-19. Our unique role as a platform and tool provider allows us to connect the dots to bring together an ecosystem of partners that enables organizations of all sizes to build the digital capabilities required to address these challenges, end quote. I think Sacha is right here when he says that this is not going to be any one organization that comes up with a solution, rather partnering with even those who we might compete with directly to uh, come up with a solution to this problem. And then beyond COVID-19, what that's going to look like as we figure out how to pick up the pieces and move on. Some analysis that was posted on finance.yahoo.com looked at Microsoft and focused on their position in light of some other companies. And Microsoft uh, has invested over a billion dollars in their cloud infrastructure. And so the analysis here is suggesting that Microsoft uh, is really going to be focusing on their cloud as the next iteration of what comes out of COVID-19. And I think that analysis is spot on because Microsoft pouring billions of dollars into investment, investing in cloud has enabled them to provide a whole suite of tools that enable uh, people of all stripes to do various things in their context. So whether you're running Microsoft Teams to have meetings with your coworkers or you're running uh, collaboration, working on documents in Office 365, or whether you're uh, trying to manage infrastructure uh, in the cloud using Azure, there's a lot of things that Microsoft is doing in that space that have a whole suite of tools that all work together in that, that common ecosystem. It's not a single tool like something from a company like Zoom. Uh, rather, it's a, a whole set of tools that's not uh, in a particular niche. And this has really positioned Microsoft to become a key player in this fight against COVID-19. And many people are using various aspects of this, but it's all brought together by the Microsoft space. And we, we've seen companies like Zoom that have a particular point solution for collaboration, which for, for many people, that, that's fine. That's about all they need for video conferencing, maybe for a classroom or for, for meetings or for a small group meeting like at a church or something like that. But this, uh, but Zoom has uh, recently actually come under fire because of the security implications that they have with their software. Uh, and uh, organizations are looking at that and evaluating it more closely and, and considering using something like Teams as an alternative to that uh, because of some of the security implications that are coming from Zoom. But the whole suite, the bigger picture here is using not only products like Teams and Office 365, but the whole suite of applications working together to provide that backbone for collaboration across an entire uh, economy, really. And uh, to this end, um, the, the stock prices of 
tech companies and Microsoft and Zoom and others like AWS and Amazon have, have actually maintained a it's been a wild ride, but the stock prices have been pretty um, consistent against some of the other stocks that are that are more uh, volatile in response to this because technology has become more integrated and much more important and much more focused because it is uh, essential to keeping folks connected in this time. Microsoft has also made another announcement where they are going to be moving all of their conferences, their major conferences, to an online format, whether that be Build, Inspire, or Ignite, which are the three big uh, conferences that Microsoft has every year, but uh, also their internal conferences as well as their partner conferences. All of these are going to be moved online through June of 2021, so there won't be any in-person conferences at Microsoft's campus or any other venue that Microsoft will be hosting uh, for an entire year. So we can be looking at seeing some of the stuff coming out of these uh, conferences, and there's typically a lot of announcements that happen around these conferences, and uh, some of the vision casting in the Microsoft space comes out of these conferences coming in a new format. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the, the Microsoft space and how this the participation from developers, from business leaders, from users of Microsoft products are going to respond to that um, and how they participate in these online conferences. I, I recently was a part of the MVP conference that happens every year for Microsoft MVPs. And the conference format was done in this online Format. It was almost like a pilot for it because it was the announcement was made to move it online right before the conference was happened. So they scrambled to get it online and to f- figure out how to make it work. And it was it was a little bit rough around the edges, but it gave Microsoft a chance to kind of figure out what tools they needed and how they're going to coordinate all this with the tools they have and adapt accordingly. And it wasn't they didn't have the time to retool the process, so they basically had to say what do we have and how can we use it. And while it wasn't perfect, it, they did manage to pull it off. So uh, as they refine this process and what they learn from uh, the smaller conferences that are more internal uh, to Microsoft, the conferences like Build, Inspire, and Ignite should have a better delivery experience. And hopefully those will have uh, better participation because those who can't uh, travel can at least participate online and, we, and the broader community at large can at least be able to uh, engage with Microsoft. Microsoft in those conferences. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how these will pan out. It's particularly Ignite, Inspire, and Build uh, because these are the more community-oriented public-facing conferences and how the community comes together around these to uh, learn and develop and see what Microsoft is doing in the Microsoft space. And some other things that Microsoft is doing is they're, again, going to be continuing to encourage people to work from home and um, and continue to use the collaboration software internally until such a time that it is safe to go back to work into their offices. So what does this mean for people that work in the Microsoft space? Well, naturally, it's going to mean um, less travel. So folks that are working in this in- environment are probably not going to be traveling as much, especially if you work in a consultative type role. Uh, I, for one, work in a consultative type role, so I'm not going to be traveling to destinations to work with customers. Obviously, I'm not going to be going anywhere. Uh, on behalf of Microsoft or to work 
with Microsoft on any of this because again, that's the, the face to face meetings aren't going to be as common now. Um, there won't be any conferences to be going to or anything like that. So certainly less travel, uh, depending on what you like, that could be good or bad for me. I tend to not like travel as much. Uh, I don't, I like the destination, not so much the getting there. Uh, so less plane rides, less travel uh, on taxis and trains and planes and uh, other types of transportation is a check mark in my book. But even so, I do miss having the face-to-face contact with people. Uh, I imagine in the future that we're going to see a lot more openness to work from home and telework in the community at large, not just in the Microsoft space, because what this is really proving is, or disproving really, is if work from home really works. And if it works for organizations that have large distributed workforces, such as multinational corporations, or even small businesses. I work for a small company that interacts a lot with Microsoft, Wintelact, but, and we always work from home. So that's just our mode of operation. So every one of our employees has an office at his or her home, and we interact collaboratively using tools like Teams, Skype, email, and so on. But uh, at the same time, companies that aren't used to that are learning these tools. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this openness to work from home, if it creates a new uh, openness to that, and we see more of this in the future, or whether or not it kind of puts a damper on that. My hope is that we'll see a lot more openness to telework and work from home, simply from the standpoint of less traffic, less CO2 emissions, a lot less of that kind of stuff. It could be better for the environment, but I'm not going to say that I prefer this exclusively simply because it is good to have human contact every now and then and not just talk to somebody through a screen. And thirdly, I think what we're going to see uh, in response to this is a large migration to the cloud as we see more and more people take advantage of uh, cloud services from Microsoft, AWS, Google, whoever it might be. Uh, the the cloud, as we are beginning to see here in light of COVID-19, is really the piece of technology. It's the backbone of technology that allows people to uh, have their their software, their systems, have their, their data accessible from anywhere in the world, not simply something that's locked in a data center on-premise that is accessible, usable, and having all the tooling available to manage all that. And in some organizations, they have a fairly decent telepresence that they can have their employees connect to. But having something in the cloud, it takes that to a whole new level because it, it kind of lowers the threshold of entry, but it also helps improve the security as well and the scalability of those solutions where you don't have to have uh, as many work people working in an office or on-premise managing systems. Uh, you can respond better to outages, respond better to change. You can do a lot of that because of all the tooling that is available inside of these cloud offerings and uh, the collaboration that these cloud offerings have as well. So I think we'll see more interest in the cloud moving forward as well. I want to conclude with some closing thoughts that Satya Nadella wrote in his letter, and I quote, We are in uncharted territory, much is unknown, and I know how unsettling and uncertain this feels. One truth that brings me comfort is just as this virus has no borders, its cure will have no borders. We are all in this together as a global community. For me, the best way I've found to get past this anxiety is to focus on what I can do each day to make a small difference. Each of us, wherever we are, has an opportunity to do the same. Take an action driven by hope, a small step that makes things a bit better. And if everyone does something that makes the world a bit better, our collective work 
will in fact make the world a lot better for the people we love, for our communities, and for society. So thank you for tuning in to this edition of Tech on Fire with Blaze, and I look forward to seeing you on a future podcast. Thank you.